Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm yours, Mornay, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Arsenal went hunting, wolves and the foxes. But first, let's discuss the game at the Molyneux, where we went up against wolves who like to hunt in packs when they get teams at the Molyneux. Yeah, up with a tough away fixtures. Uh, I know you were quite edgy or nervy going into definitely, this. Definitely, definitely. I couldn't yeah. see more than yeah. a point. Yeah, because... Although, uh, you know, uh, you know already the reputation they were coming into this game with, because I mean, they were also unbeaten quite lo- long, whether it's home and they're uh, running the league. Uh, it, my gut feeling actually was telling me prior to the game, I was actually feeling less nervous compared to the way I was feeling, say, against, um, you know, leading up to the Man City game, like on the day, or, or uh, the Brighton game even, or, and then Sheffield United game. But with this game, I know everybody was like talking, you know, Arsenal are going to struggle, Arsenal, or this, 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 and I just thought to myself, it's, it's also time they need to up or show themselves against a team of, of Wolves caliber, because look, they've really set the marker to, like the chasing pack, pardon the pun, <laughs> with, with, you know, going into this, or the whole top four race, and of course, look, I'm not really putting us, say, into the top four race, per se, but I just think with that whole pack chasing other Europa League places, and that, Wolves have really set the marker there for everybody to chase. Uh, same can be said with, with um, even Sheffield United, even though they did have like some sort of dip. But they also, you know, really keeping up the heat on those, um, you know, contested places. So we have that this, this game where I was kind of confident going into it. The game starts and immediately <laughs> Mustafi has one of these blackouts because I think within the first, it was the first minute a ball just gets boofed in from from uh, deep in the from the wolves off, and he totally like he starts attacking the ball, and as you see, this balls are dropping. You can see he's like totally misjudging the flight. The ball drops behind him. Of course, Jimenez is very quick to pounce on the error. He gets the ball. Arsenal, you can see, he's still trying to find his shape in defense. Uh, Jimenez plays, you know, almost like a perfect uh, eye of the needle pass to to uh, Traore, who. I think just thanks to Martinez, that was such quick reactions for him to you know speed off his line, because by the time Traore gets his head up to have a shot at goal, Martinez is there to smother the shot and flick the ball out. So it was already early warning signs for Arsenal. Yeah, hundred percent. And I I do think that you know goalkeeping wise, um, Martinez tends to be more decisive coming off his line. You know, Leno. No disrespect to him, and you know he's been probably our best player so far this season. But Martinez has that almost instinct to come off the line at the right time, and we've seen it time and time again. So, you know, very nervous start. You know, not the start I would have wanted to see, especially since I was a bit nervous to the start of the game. And it just shows, you know, what individual errors can do, which Arsenal start ironing out. And you know, this new formation that they're throwing coming in with. I mean, it's. You know, really interesting the combination of players you have certain places on the field, and you know the starting lineup surprised me as well um, to an extent. And then the forward back, but um, for me, I really feel that you know if Arsenal can get the defense sorted out and cut out that individual errors, you know who knows how far they can go. Look, I was going to drift this question or pose this question to you for the review of the second game. That we are discussing today's podcast, but I, I might as well just bring up the, the question now. What is your take so far on this whole 3 4 3 formation? Do you see 
more positives in it. You see something more, you know, a, a sort of master plan that, that Arteta now has, like a master stroke with him, you know, keeping this now as part and parcel of the Arsenal way of playing now. I, I think it's a master stroke. I think it's kind of, you know, it's not the same, but the same of, you know, Conte. When he had almost that, was it 4-3-3 or 4, whatever, he tried formation with Chelsea. And the back four just didn't seem to work. And I don't know if he's done his homework or something, but, you know, David Luiz was very pivotal in Conte's title-winning season in that back three. I think he was the one who was in the center of the back three, where, you know, it seems that he plays a bit more of a comfortable game. And I think it was very well done by Arteta because, you know, our defensive centre-back options were maybe a bit short mm. and he seems to have you know, he seemed to be a bit more tight at the back and it also seems that to be working on attack-wise we seem to be, you know, opening up chances with a with our wide our wing-backs, you know, having to take a bit more freedom as well, so you know, I think this, this formation for me personally, seems to be a stroke of genius at the moment, but you know things we'll have to see as it goes on, I mean City in the semi-final will be a good indication of, you know, I know we tested, we need to test it against the better teams, we tested it against Wolves, but, you know, we'll discuss how it panned out, but I think if it can work against a City, you know, or even if it um, kind of works slightly, we don't, maybe we don't get the result, but I do think this is a way forward for us to build from. So, with, with, this, with regards to this game, Wolves... Which was it was quite uncharacteristic of them, where they were actually allowing us to have the ball, and look, of course, it, it became almost like a stalemate for quite almost like twenty-five or twenty minutes, where both teams were really playing kind of standoffish type of football to each other, not really wanting to go full tilt at each other. But I think Arsenal started thinking, look, if they get enough sit, they, as long as we play a more disciplined way in midfield, because look. The sort of shift that people like Sebayas and Xhaka were putting in, they were always trying to make up that number. So even if Wolves not try to spring a counter on us as the game wore on, we seem to have always had that extra bodies there to nullify, nullify moves, snuff out any little you know intricate passes of them in midfield. And I mean, it was like make people like Moutinho and and Neves almost like toothless because they were kind of starved of the ball and and almost like allowed to have to fight more for the ball to get, you know, some sort of being active in the game because we were, like, really starving them in the middle of the park and, as you said, doing most of the damage on either flank because Cedric played a fantastic game. Um, yeah. Uh, Tierney was doing a, a little craft work down the flanks. And then the only uh, one thing that I, I could say with regards to the... As we go on to the second half as well, was part of the first half... For me, the biggest Achilles heel in the team at the moment, strangely enough, is Colasinac because I notice he loses a lot. Like when you see teams counter us, everybody like usually has people to pick up, and he seems always to leave. I think I don't know if you, you saw in that game also where he met Tierney had some words with each other because Tierney was complaining that look, you give me like two guys to mark and, and you running like aimlessly to the back without. You know, almost like shielding me. So I think yeah. he is the big upset. And, and, and also with, with um, if you recall, with the Sheffield United game in the FA Cup, we, through his panic and, and him not also picking up the people, he caused that, 
you know, that goal that Sheffield United got to equal, Sheffield United got to equalize. So I just think that is where we should be a bit more cautious with him because then I would rather have three straight centre backs and have him, you know, rotate with Tierney or play even play him up front like you, you, the way we would do sometimes with Aubameyang or in a, a soccer type role because look, he does have the pace, he does have the dribbling yeah. skill. So I would use him like I'm not saying you like, just totally discard him, but I just think we we need sort of better option to solidify that whole that that back three, especially when to play or stick with a sort of formation. No, I, I agree. That's why I said, you know, that's one of the things that Arsenal need to, going forward, if this is the way forward, formation-wise, or the option to have this formation, you need three quality centre-backs who can marshal, you know, a defence. I mean, they did well with, with, with like you mentioned, Xhaka and Sebeos seem to be very disciplined. They seem to be much more disciplined with Arteta. Like, there seems to be a plan and they listen to somebody. So, kudos to them with with the, the way they're defending. I mean, like you said, Wolves. Wolves is a team, and I think Arteta did his homework. Wolves is a team, like if you watch them play, they like teams to eat teams on the counter-attack as well. And it seemed like Arsenal never gave them that option. That's why I think Wolves looked as toothless, because like there were times it happened, but Treore never actually had that space that we spoke about. You know, you said you almost needed a sweeper in the last podcast, but... With regards to this, Arsenal defended so deep, or the centre mid also played so deep that Traore never had that freedom and was very much nullified playing as a centre forward. And look, the first real chance for Arsenal also on the flip side was 26 minutes when Aubameyang had a, like a shot at goal from a corner, wasn't cleared by Wolves, but a quite tame shot. And then as, as Wolves also not kind of grew into the game, uh, Dendonka. They had also a header that was also not really picked up. And I think that was where th- that point that I made was with regards to Kolasinac, where he's really not picking up, you know, uh, people, um, uh, players making those late runs into the box. That's also a, a kind of trait of Wolves as we know them, the way they play from corners. That's why they're so lethal from, you know, attacking a ball. Because I think that Dendonka scored us a fantastic goal a few weeks back. Yes, yes, he, yes. Against Fella. Yeah. But he just came storming through and he powered through a header. Then in the 35th minute, and Ketia, of course, hit the post. It was a good ball by Sebeus to play in a, a, a kind of pinballed amongst the Wolves' defence to perfectly fall into Ketia's uh, path. He shoots. I think Rui Patricius looks kind of beaten. It's, I think, the base of the post and the bounce of the yes. keeper for the corner. And then, of course, finally the breakthrough then comes 43rd minute. For me, an awesome team goal because when you see, you see where Cedric gets the ball from, and he sprays the ball across the field. I think Aubameyang just collects the ball. But, you know, everything is done so quick. The way you and I have been talking about, the quicker we are doing things with the ball, and especially since we know the, the runners constantly on either flank, you've got Tierney bombing down the, the left flank. Aubameyang plays like a perfect little, you know, airy shot, uh, airy little pass. For uh, Tierney tries to, you know, really put some whip in the ball. It kind of bobbles amongst the Wolves defenders. And of course, Saka comes in late and just smashes the ball. Top corner, goal for Arsenal, 1-0. Yeah, for me, that Cedric pass was key. And I don't know if, you know, maybe he would have. But I don't know if Hector Bellerin would have done a cross like that, a cross-field pass like that. Because Cedric to look up and, you know, have the presence of mind to eat the cross-field ball like that and still pull it off. You know, that, that was one of the game changers probably for that goal because it kind of, you know, switched the play. Um, at the large sucker, you know, to kind of get in that, that space in the box and then 
without Bobby having to cross it over for him. And I mean, top class finish from the youngster as well. You know, both strikers would have probably put that in a row, Z in the crowd. So, you know, top finish and, you know, Wandel Arsenal, I think to my surprise, going up Wandel at halftime, I was like, whoa, you know, is there something special happening today? What, is, what also impressed me going to the second half was, um, I don't know if you, I mean, you can even check this later on, like when we're done with the podcast. Whenever uh, that Nuno Santo was making his substitutions, Arteta was pushing a, a sub in. I, look, I don't know, maybe it, it was set out like that from the start, but I, I, I was just going, like watching the game again in full. Every time Wolves made some sort of action with a, uh, with, a, with a substitution, you saw a reaction from Arteta. So it's like, look, he had like 56 minutes, I think prior to that, he made the sub. And then he brought off uh, Kieran Tierney and he brought on Ainsley Maitland-Niles. I was like to solidify that uh, attacking side to our game. Because I think it was also the game, the sort of tempo being played. And I think any little niggle, Arteta was going to pull the player out of the firing line. And then, of course, Arsenal clearly, you know, trying to control the game. Trying to, trying to you know, uh, knock the ball around. Because it looked like a more contained Arsenal way of playing. Nothing too panicky. Every yeah. cool calm, letting them chase for the ball. Because you could see the way that the, the game structure was changing as well. Because all of a sudden, you had people like Jota, Jimenez, Traore. They were doing actually more, you know, trying to hurry for the ball. But they were not really getting closer because we kept on pinging the ball across the back the back uh, three and through the midfield. And then every now and then, eat them with, you know, one of the long balls. But then, 64th minute, Jota then releases Traore. And uh, I think it was such a, a, a split-second move where Traore then peels off the Arsenal defenders. He races one-on-one with, with uh, nothing more with the keeper. And, uh, you know, honestly, when, when he started approaching the keeper, I thought he's probably going to lightly just dink the ball and it's going to nestle in the net. But I think Martinez came out that quickly where he wasn't like hastened into that, that uh, to, to make a decision. And by the time he chipped the ball, I mean, he put so much power on it, it ended up just landing on top of the net. So, you know, a safe, uh, quite a uh, nervy moment for Arsenal. I think that, that that moment was a big moment in the game. Yeah. I think, you know, the Wolves score that and, you know, Arsenal maybe on the ropes that the, maybe fatigue kicks in. But, you know, by missing that. And I think Martinez, like I mentioned, that team coming off his line like that has, has been quite crucial for Arsenal. Yeah. And, you know, the complex because the Wolves were coming into the game at that point. You know, they were starting to be stronger. They looked fitter. Arsenal, I think you could see, were, well, like you said, they were playing a bit within themselves, but they also weren't extending themselves to leave gaps, really. So it seems like that's Arteta seems to be, you know, he knows how to play away performance. Not like he's going to go out there like, you know, maybe Wenger would have in his day and still try to, you know, score three, four, five. Uh-huh. When you wandle up against a, a, a top-class wolf side at the moment, so you know that for me saw the, the way the pendulum kind of shifted yeah. in the game. Yeah, then um, seventy-six minutes, the uh, started now. You know, ringing the changes. Wolokin came on. Uh, Saka, I think uh, it was came off, I believe, and then Cedric came off. Bellerin then came on to kind of solidify, or not solidify really, but more getting fresh legs. Up on that flank, uh, at the third minute, Lacazette and, uh, and Terreira came on. Uh, it started looking because the game also started becoming more open, and 
I was just thinking to myself, you know, the more we're biding our time now, they are going to make themselves even more vulnerable. And I think the latter part of the game, especially this, this last, say, seven minutes or so, Arsenal were really just poking holes in that Wolves team. And I, I mean, personally, I, for somebody that, that uh, has watched quite a bit of Wolves games this old season so far, to see Arsenal pick them like that apart and, and you know, almost like that whole game plan that we all know and, and enjoy the way Wolves play, that seemed to like all go out of the window. And that being said, the uh, Willock then burst down the, the right flank, I think it was about four minutes ago, pings him across. At first, I thought Lucas is going to hit it first time shot, but I mean, he ended up doing that trademarking that we know him for, where he just rolls the ball like with his, uh, the, like the, the tip of his boot ahead of the defender. Defender slides into no man's land, and by the time Lucas pulls pull the trigger, it's past Patrizio, 2 0 Arsenal. I, I think um, at that. The, um... At that point, you know, Wolves were definitely dead and buried. But I think, like I said, probably he's been listening to our podcast and a few of the other Arsenal players because the moment, you know, we, we give him a bit of criticism or they come up a bit of slack, you know. Martin is coming, you know, he's been doing really well. Like I said, as well now, you know, after we said last week, it seems to be struggling. He comes up with a very decisive goal, you know, to end the um, Wolves' hopes for the game. And for me... You know, you mentioned about Wolves, they kind of become like a team, you know, you want them to do well every time you watch them play. It's like you're thinking, okay, you know, if Arsenal maybe can't make it in the top four, maybe you want Wolves to end up in the top four. So they've been really doing really well. And for us to get the result we've done, and it's the first time we beat the top six side per se, because, you know, they're in the top six. So I did, uh, you know, ended that dreadful run. And I, I just think it's onwards and upwards for him. From here, I mean, I know I wasn't too convinced. You know, sometimes he still adds that maybe a bit of inexperience where he makes mistakes. But you know, Arsenal look a whole lot better than they did the start of you know Project Restart. Uh, I actually thought Willock's uh, that attempt that he had right at the death would have been almost like the cherry on the cake for us. But I'm thinking it would also have been a bit unfair to Wolves because I mean the way we were pulling the strings at the back, I think it was just. The defender at the end clearing the ball off the line of what would have been yeah. a goal for Arsenal. But as you said, onwards and upwards, and we move our attention to the Arsenal Leicester game. I think, you know, for, for once, as, as many people were trying to tell me, you know, to be kind of cautious, and that I was really positive going to this game. And I was just thinking, look, we're at home against the Foxes. They look like they had a sort of dip. Um, they had now uh, uh, the Madison, who's normally a, a real thorn in our side when we play them, and uh, Chilwell as well. So, uh, you know, brought them to to, to really, uh, excuse me, uh, rotate their squad because I think Pereira was also not playing for them on the right as a right back. So, they, defensively, they were you know vulnerable, and I thought to myself, the way we were playing, the sort of mindset we are as a team at the moment. I think we're in a good place and we could now, you know, cause damage there. No, definitely. I also felt a bit more confident and, you know, it just seems Arsenal at home as well seem to be also, everything seems to be clicking in gear for Arsenal. And, I, you know, I, I was confident we were going to get the three points and thinking the fact that, you know, I started looking, you know, above and saying, you know, hang on, if we get the three points in this game, you know, we can... We can leapfrog what's above us, possibly. So it, it was definitely going to be a cagey affair with Leicester. But I also think, you know, that you know there were some decisions even in the first half that, you know, 
should have been done, which kind of would have sw- swung the game in a different direction. Yeah. Um, you know, Arsenal set the tone also early for attacking Brenner football with Bellerin, like I said, coming in for Cedric and Ketia. But, you know, it was like last again, like about a 10-minute spell where we did now kind of swarm Leicester. But then, of course, Ian Nacho started the whole fight back for them also where he managed to get some sort of, I think we were, was like everybody was kind of sleepy at the corner. Corner gets taken, half cleared, and Ian Nacho then lets it up from about 25 yards, which Martinez sees late and pulls off a stunning save with his foot. Yeah, Martin is once again, you know, I, I, I'm really impressed with him that, you know, I know we spoke about him pre-season, he looks a bit sharper, then, you know, he had his bit of dipping form, but, you know, it, it seems like he's taking over Leno's um, mantle of, you know, being the most consistent at Arsenal currently, and maybe it's good as well that he, it is good that a form can give him confidence and, you know, who knows, maybe also um, give Leno some stiff competition and it just shows the a difference manager can do in player confidence and form. Then in the 21st minute, a fantastic pass by Sebayos. I mean, probably pass of the week, if you think of it. Yeah. He, his pass falls perfectly to Saka, who takes the ball into the, the, uh, the Leicester box. And I think everybody, I think Leicester had one of that, that Anfield, the Arsenal defensive moments because... <laughs> of their players end up slipping and sliding as he didn't burst through and I mean it was such an inch perfect pass for Bamiang just to you know just tap in one of that FIFA PlayStation type goals 1-0 Arsenal yeah you know you, you look at this sucker guy and you think the, the confidence he has the composure he has you know Arsenal did a wonder job to to get him to sign a new deal and it just shows like what he can add going forward and I mean oh it it's only scary what this guy is capable of. And I think, you know, Aubameyang, you know, hopefully, you know, going off of a topic, but hopefully he can sign and stay on for Arsenal for maybe another few seasons because, I mean, it just seems so lethal in front of goals for us. Yeah, he's becoming like Benjamin Button. He's <laughs> younger and younger when you see his age just clocking up and up. Um, 26 minutes, Soyan then pulls off probably also the tackle of the evening. Where you can see Saka's about to pull the trigger, and I think it probably would have, you know, uh, made it 2 0. But he manages to make this last ditch effort and manages to get his foot ahead of Saka, and the ball just flies over the bar for a corner. Arsenal, then, of course, needed to push harder for a second because my my own mindset was if we're going to go in at 1 0 at half time, it's going to be so a very, very cagey affair. So we yeah. shoot them to the sword, and I mean, I'd, it was almost like one of those nights also where it seems after that goal, nothing could go past Casper Schmeichel there because, look, like I said, they had probably a, a, a minute of madness where he ends up pulling off a fantastic save from Lacazette. The ball eventually comes gets played from a corner, bobbles out wide. Ballerman comes comes in out of nowhere, lets it up from outside of the box, and you can see that ball is careering into the top corner and he manages just to tip the ball over the bar for another corner. Another oh. is when is this ball going to actually go in? Because, you know, the, the, the closer we were getting to halftime is, you know, time ticked by. I was really getting more and more nervous. You know, that kind of confidence I had going into the game was kind of eking away because I'm thinking, you just know what Brendan Rodgers is going to do because when you start seeing him with his little notepad, jotting pointers <laughs> on, you know what's going to come that second half. 
I felt actually that you know at one nil, can't more confident finding enough. I was thinking, you know what? I'm sure we can grind this out, and it seems we we grind out the result, and we just you know eat the the second towards the end. So I was hoping you know that would happen. I know a bit of fear creeps in once you think of how many leads we threw away, but you know I thought you know get to half time one nil, and you know it's kind of you you sort it out in that extent of you know kill the game out and you know Arteta can maybe have his words at, at um, half time to the players and you know maybe we'll come back strong and nullify them because we, they were the ones chasing because in the 35th minute you know alarm bells kind of rang when Iannaccio managed to score a goal but, but I mean it was rightly called offside by VAR um, you know Bellerin then had a cross thing for the ninth minute and it was you know, one of the very few times we can say it was inch perfect by Ballon, but it was again wrong choice of header or heading stuff <laughs> by Lacazette because if any position we could have headed the ball, he ended up heading straight down the throat of, of Kasper Schmeichel and all he had to do was maybe just hit it into the, the slippery turf and let the ball skid into the far corner because I think he would have had the beating of Kasper Schmeichel. But that being said, we went in at, at half time one up. Yeah, like I said, you know, I was happy with one up getting to half time, and I thought, you know, Leicester has to come at us, and you know, either we can see out the one nil in the first second, or like you know, try to eat them on the counter attack because Arsenal seemed to be playing a much more fluid game. My only concern for me was, you know, the Xhaka Sebayos combination. How many games more can they play together before they start, you know, getting fatigued? So, you know, I was interested to see like who in the time is going to be the replacement for the one in, in those positions because they each play a pivotal role. Like, Shaka is more kind of the, the hard man tackling. Not that Sebeos doesn't tackle because he gets his foot stuck in there. and So, I just the distribution part that Sebeos adds to the game, like he carves teams open with his passes, which, you know, who's going to do that role when, when once he, um, you know, has to be rested or, you know, what's the plan also going forward with him? So, of course, Leicester's second half became bolder, were more adventurous going forward, playing, you know, quite an open brand of football. Um, Arsenal then had the, you know, the match wasn't called at about 70 minutes for the drinks break. Uh, Arsenal then decided, OK, a minute later to make the substitutions. They brought uh, Saka and Laka off and Willock and Ketia came on. Then 75th minute, you know, in a game that more in control. Uh, Nketiah goes chasing after a ball and ends up going right through, I forgot the player's names, uh, James something, and he ends up getting studs, he gets studs up across the guy's knee and the ref gave straight red to, after asking VAR as well, but it ended up being a straight red. Your thoughts? No, I, I, I don't think it's a straight red. I mean, maybe it's because I'm an Arsenal fan, but then surely Johnny Evans, you know, this decision where he got... Um, there should have been two yellows in my, or or actually two yellows in my opinion. I think it was in the first half, but for me, um, you could see Nketiah did not attempt to hurt the play. He was literally looking at the ball. I mean, you could say it's similar to Sadio Mane's one where he got Edison in the face, but that's he got him on the leg. So, you know, for me, not going for the not going for the man, he went for the ball, and you know, was a bit late. But I don't think there's any malice in the tackle, and I think that should be what's judged on. I mean, you could see he wasn't looking so no red card for me. And yours, your opinion? 
Now my take was straight ahead because, but uh, let me also get my points across because where I, so also where I now jot down on my notes about Chris Kavanaugh, the ref of the night. I think he also lost the plot quite early in the game. Where he didn't, you know, kind of set the marker because, as you said, leading up to that, that over that whole red card even, there were a lot of things happening in that game off the ball that he was not really picking up. And look, I know it was a, you know, a wet evening, really slippery and that people could mistime things. But there were certain tactical errors uh, I was watching with this, this ref where he was allowing, as you said, he, where Johnny Evans just clattered, not even going for the ball, just clattered a guy from behind, like taking out, uh, kicking on both Achilles, uh, taking out Lacazette. Then on the stroke of halftime, that's why I kept that point back. Jamie Vardy gets tackled by Mustafi. Fine, that that moment should be over and done with when it when when they go when they collide and they go for the ball. But for him to then come out and still swing his foot and his boot catches Mustafi fully in the face, you can see that was with intent. And how yeah. that, look, as I said, look, I I would with with or my take with an Ketia incident. He came, when I looked at it closely, I mean, maybe just try to watch it again, maybe yourself, and, and, and like on your own, and you and you just analyze it almost like a bit by bit, just maybe with the audio off, whatever, and you just watch again with the Nketiah studs, get him on the side of the knee, which, I mean, if you've played football in it, you end up, you can have ligaments torn like that. Going back to the uh, thing with, with, with uh, Jamie Vardy, that, uh, look, accident or not, but that is actually swinging your leg at an opponent. And I mean, you saw the welts on, on Mustafi's face, and he doesn't even get a yellow for that. So, as I said, this ref, and he's one of the younger refs where he, he can be, and it's not just the, this uh, game now I'm talking about, in this past week, he's, he's, uh, I don't know if it was now in the, the yesterday or whatever, the batch of matches, or a week ago, because I know his face. He, he screwed up again in a game where he lost total control of, of what was happening in the game. And, and when you see things like that, given a slide with Vardy, Nketiah getting a red, which okay, rightly so. And then uh, you look at what happened with United against Aston Villa, where oh. Bruno Fernandes almost breaks the guy's ankle and he gets the penalty. How is that? The VAR, what, I mean, what are they drinking or smoking in that room? But I don't understand. They're letting the ref watch a red card incident, right? on the screen, but they're not letting the ref watch penalty decisions. That doesn't make sense. Like, I mean, you know, if you, if you had to watch it over as a ref, I mean, surely you're not going to give that as a penalty. I mean, I sat in my living room watching that and said, you know, could see not a penalty at all. I mean, but, you know, VAR it just seems to have been getting it wrong in England, no matter what they're doing. It's just not working. It's like it's more being cherry-picked for decision-making. But, okay, that being said, just back to the game. Um, Arsenal then tried to, uh, I want to say nullify things, because I think this is also where I lost my cool a bit with Arteta, because I just felt even prior to that, that with that red card, you could see there were certain players that were getting tired, that were really struggling with the sort of pace that, that um, Leicester were you know, putting on us. And I just thought to myself, if Arteta had made the sort of tactical... Uh, subs, you know, one gives him credit for the sort of subs he made against Wolves. But this is again where I think this is again exposes one of his flaws. It can be he kind of holds, holds back, holds back. And by the time he wants to then make the subs, there is 
really too late because Torreira, I think he, he brought on later than he should have because I think Torreira's legs would have been, you know, needed maybe where you had, say, Nketi on the field, you would need somebody because the battle was more in midfield the way the ball was now just allowed to go through because you can see our play. That, that's also how you can judge the game, how it was going because all of a sudden from our fighting to the midfield that you saw in the first half, it became where they had the, the play of the field in the midfield where we were not really cutting out anything and that was where I think Torreira should have then been there with like 20 minutes ago where he could now kind of sort out things in midfield. But that being said, Vardy then ends up scoring and then Arteta then wants to throw was it like last row of the dice, he throws uh, Maitland-Niles on to kind of close his game out and since we were not just waiting for little counters. But I just think substitutions there were kind of kind of messy and I think he kind of panicked also about that. Know. Yeah, but you know, looking back at it, we were, we were nowhere against these teams you know, when we got them in the first round of the season. So, yeah. you know, you look where our Leicester dominated us and you look how, you know, we've, we've come back strong and I think that the red card, you know, really messed up things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Arsenal were very unlucky. Like, you know, that's one of the games, you know, normally when we throw away, uh, throw it home, you get pissed off. But you can see this fight in this team and I took a lot of positives from the performance and, you know, there's a bit of a bitter pull to swallow because you started thinking... Not that you excited about, but you sort of thinking top four is is like there in the background because I think Leicester still needs to play Man United if I'm not mistaken. Because yeah. I, so, just, you know, eleven v eleven, I think we would have probably gone that same path that we saw out that uh, Wolves game where you you let them play themselves naked, and you wait and you bite it and you know you you weather the storm, you wait you wait you wait and then you pounce and and eat them out, and then especially with with subs because. Look, we had someone like, say, Pepe, uh, the last part of the game, we could have maybe brought him on to really drive at them, to maybe sucker punch him into them conceding a second and a third. Because uh, if you think of it, our forwards were doing a fine job up to then. I mean, of course, they didn't bury the chance that we needed. But as an attacking threat, I think we could have really picked them off at the end because they were throwing everything at it going forward. I mean, you saw the, sec- the, the subs they made where they were... They knew they could sacrifice, uh, you know, defensive midfielders and, and defenders because they knew, okay, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at them now. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And, like, oh, oh, well, you know, onwards and upwards from here. And, you know, we're playing against, you know, I don't know if we hate more in North, who's hated more in North London or at Arsenal, Jose Mourinho or Tottenham Hotspur because this is going to be, a, you know, a, a big game. Coming up next. And I think with the, with, the, with the comments being thrown both ways, and I mean, even Thierry Henry, who's now coach at Montreal Impact, he even laid into Mourinho about that remarks that, that Mourinho made the other day. But as you said, it, it's going to be, it's, it's well poised. Look, you've got Spurs kind of chasing us now after, it was like us chasing them for the majority of the season. Now it's like, you know, the, the tide is somewhat turned. And I just think with a sort of mindset that we're going to maybe go into this game, I'm not saying, uh, it's, uh, I would like, normally you would kind of be, you know, be within yourself, you know, to make a, a comment about the game. And then, but I think now we go into the game, it's like, it's going to be 50 50. It's going it to go either way because they, besides our errors that we've now had every now and then, they are also showing that they're not infallible. 
So they can be, uh, you can get at them really. I, I think Mourinho and Tottenham aren't a good match. You know, I know we in the beginning said, you know, Tottenham went out and took a risk getting Mourinho as a coach, but it just seems. I don't know if, you know, with Wenger, where, you know, football almost passed Wenger's style of play. Yeah. But it's almost like football's gone past Mourinho's style of play again. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not, it doesn't seem to be well. I mean, Tottenham under Pochettino compared to Tottenham under Mourinho, totally different side. I don't think they're as, um, you know, as dangerous. But Harry Kane, no matter what you say, Harry Kane always decides to score against Arsenal, just like Vardy. So, you know, he, I'm always going to be wary when Harry Kane is around, even though he didn't look too fit when they played against Bournemouth. I think also now with, with Eric Dyer also not out for them, because he's been used now sometimes at, as a holding midfielder or uh, in central defence sometimes as an emergency centre-back. But I think they, they will miss him in, in that midfield uh, pack of these. And I think this is where Arteta's brand of football could I don't know, of course it's early days, but as you know said with the with the coaches with that, that you know, maybe it's their time, maybe it's not this one's time. And I think Arteta's way of, of the modern style of football that he's getting us playing now could come up tops if we play them on Sunday. Yeah, no I, I agree and I uh, I think if it's any a time to Beat Spurs again away from home. I think it will be, you know, this could be an opportunity. I think we come in the stronger side, more confident, more belief. So, you know, they are there for the taking. And if Arsenal can get the three points, I mean, it's going to be vital because we come up against the champions thereafter. Yeah. So, we run that off now. We should attend to some talking points that I wanted to bring up. Um, also, big congrats to. Pepe becoming a dad last week. That's why he missed the, the Wolves game. So I would like to pass on my congratulations there. Um, another point I wanted to bring up was Quindosi's previous coach has now come out and said this is not the, the first time that he's been so problematic. Was He was also explaining about him being told in a game also he was on the yellow being told look to calm down and, and you know, ease up, and he just almost like his arrogance then came almost like ahead of him as a player, and he just did his own thing, and he ended up getting sent off. The team ended up losing the game, and you know everybody was now kind of cursing and effing about how his sort of attitude is going to be his downfall, in the, like for his future. And I just think to myself, you know, as much as one likes him, and that you actually do see it also as a, from an aspect. From you know the way Arteta's seeing it because I've heard even like the one story it was also going about was David Luiz even trying to be like a pace a, a peacemaker and it's not like in by the one ear and out by the other by Guendouzi and, and I think David Luiz also just said like I'm not gonna then get involved in this because he wanted to kind of be like a peacemaker to get some sort of communication going between player and coach again. Uh, how long has Quintus been playing? 15 years that he has an attitude of arrogance and so petulant. I mean, you know, and I know we need a bit of fighting spirit in the team, but that type of attitude, you know, at first I was a bit um, thinking out work. Why is it being so difficult to him? But I mean, you know, if you a player at that age, you know, think you're bigger than the club. And, you know, I don't like to bring up the past, but you just wonder, like, Emre as a coach, you know, did he let players get away with too much? Mm. Actually, that 
you can see, like, you know, Guendouzi was never called into question by Emery. But, you know, Arteta is installing that discipline in the club, I think, that wasn't was, was lacking after maybe even before Wenger left. And for me, you know, it's unfortunate. He's such a talent, but if you're not going to get your attitude right, you know, then bye. Um, other breaking news was um, Sam Kroenke has decided to pay off Arsenal's remaining £210 million pounds debt, um, which is quite a big thing because, look, I, I'm not saying things are going to now start opening up for Arsenal, like, say transfer budget-wise, but I mean, it takes a hell of a lot of the club as of, you know, as, like, from the financial point of view because I think Arsenal have something about between 30 and £50 million you know where they have it, what they call it floating cash on yeah. it at, at the club itself. So it almost like freeze that up. So maybe you know some of that money you can, if you want to do that, wheeling and dealing somewhat, shifting that about to add to whatever transfer budget. Because look, I, I do think we will probably get. Of course, I'm just not trying to estimate, but I still think Arsenal have probably roughly ninety to hundred million to spend. And look, who knows how much, say, a bit of extra money like that coming our way now with the owner finally kind of like, you know, stepping up and, and taking the sort of responsibility that most owners usually do. And it's not like he's not stepping up to do that sort of thing. So I find it a, a, a big, big positive. And I think that is why I'm just surprised it hasn't taken more or been floating around more in the in the sports uh, news world. But I mean, for me, it's a, it's a kind of, Big say to how things could pan out for us for the summer as well. Yeah, let, let's hope. Like we said, you know, started the podcast saying onwards and upwards. Maybe, you know, there's, there's a whole change in everything for us. I mean, you know, change of coach, change of strategy. And, you know, finally with, with Kronke taking a bit, like you said, more responsibility and actually treating the club like, you know, a football club and not just a profit-running organization. So, you know, let's hope. That it means he can open his pockets, spend for our defense because right and um, midfield as well. Because you know, Isabio staying, Isabio going, and what who will be Shaka's partner? Should that be the case? So there's a whole lot of ifs and buts around. So you know, I know we need to take things one step at a time, but I hope we can actually get Isabio to stay at the club because it seems he's quite, kind of crucial in that role at Arsenal. And then other team news also, uh, Bernd Leno could return to the Arsenal training, I think, within the next two weeks or something like that. But, I mean, look, you won't be playing any competitive football for Arsenal, but you should be then fit for the new season. And speaking of new season, the Premier League have now decided that 12th of September 2020 should be you know, the, the start. I think they're still kind of figuring out the final details, but that is rough, like one of the rough, date set for the start of the new season. Um, there's still talk of the possibility of the league possibly scrapped completely for just the one season. Oh, it's a pity. Uh, I, I just want Arsenal to win it. Like I don't know why I have this, I don't know, love affair with the, the, the three-year beauty I like to call it trophy. But, um, yeah, I guess fix the congestion-wise or apparently they said also teams in Europe that's in Europe might also sit out the competition so you know who knows what happens but as long as everything seems to be coming back on track which seemed uh, far away long not a few months ago 
So with that, we end the podcast. We hope you have a fantastic weekend. Hope you enjoy the North London the North London Derby. So come on, Arsenal. Yeah, let's get that three points, guys. <laughs>